Well, I was just having a conversation with Howie where I was talking about when we come on, I got some stuff to share, but hey, the internet's working better without Anna Lee and her 18 advices hooked up to it, <laughs> Howie. So welcome to Off the Record with Randall. Tonight, we've got uh, Howie Chaney back with me tonight, but we're not talking football, Howie. We're talking something a little different, something you and I both are passionate about. Uh, when I created Off the Record, I thought... At times, this show would be about this, and if tonight is our first attempt, but um, and just told you that I have a one single earphone, so when it comes out, I can't hear you. Uh, but last night was AEW Double or Nothing, the one or two largest AEW pay per views of the year. Uh, we watched it. Uh, we got some feel for. I guess it was Sunday night, not last night. Right. Um, but I guess we're here to do our first official wrestling review. And this is something we've been pointing to. You and I both have been to AEW events. And I would say we're fans of AEW, wouldn't you? I've been to two of them. They've been, in, um, they've been traveling for less than a year and a half, two years. And I've been to two already. So uh, I would say yes. Well, um, of course... They haven't traveled any in the last uh, year because of COVID. Right. Now, and that that might be the story of this pay per view, was the five thousand people that were there that seemed like thirty thousand people. The place yes. was just super on fire, super loud, and um, we'll start there. Uh, of course, we had a prelim match, but even the prelim match, Serena D versus Rio. The crowd was into it and loud from the get-go. Yeah, it, you know, it was a great opening match to uh, kind of, you know, kind of set the tone for the whole night. Usually, you know, pay-per-views are about three hours long. This one here was four and a half, five hours. And as you said, the crowd was into it, and they was into it the whole night. Usually halfway through the show or, you know, three-fourths of the way the sh during the show, everybody kind of burns out. But last uh, Sunday night, start to finish, it was – it was wide open because it was the first time that they've had any amount of people in the crowd or, you know, in the stadium there. And, and they were actually close to ringside and everything as well. So, it, it you know, honestly, I had chill bumps when it first started hearing actual fans, you know, being there instead of this popped in noise. Yeah, it was, um, it was different. Now I've done a little bit of the, the WWE, Set, in the, set online and watch it, and it's really not the same. Uh, you know, what AEW done a few months ago was was make this about they would bring bring the other wrestlers that wasn't involved to the stage area and have them there so you felt a little more like it was a real live crowd. And, uh, I mean, it kind of felt like it was I'm about to actually get this shared to the website we want to share it to. So then I got, um, but I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, I, I love the way that they had the ring and the set and the entrance way set up last uh, Sunday night because of it allowed people to be around basically all the way around all four sides of the ring and the way they had the camera set up. It was a really, you know, it, it was, it was fun. It's like, it's like nothing that ever happened. Uh, well, one thing I did notice that usually behind there, 
where the stage is at, they actually put fans back there. And that actually helped. That gave a little right. more of a pay-per-view sellout crowd. So you've already mentioned it real fast, but you uh, and I both have talked about the matches. The Serena Deeb rio match. Uh, rio is someone who's been not very popular among the American fans. She was brought over to be the first AEW women's champion. And most people felt like it was kind of pushed really hard for her to get the title early on. And it felt almost, for lack of a better word, it almost felt like when uh, Jinder Mahal had the WWE title. It was just like the company was going to do this even if the fans didn't want it. So Rio had left and went back to Japan. Uh, She's relocated to the U.S. permanently now to make a little more run in AEW. Serena Deeb is a veteran that's been around in the WWE Independence, AEW, the NWA. This is for the NWA Women's Championship. Uh, I thought it was a great match, especially for a not-even-on-the-card match. This was a buy-in match. Really worked well. Um, I thought Rio was better than she'd been in the past, too, Allie. What was your gut feeling about the match? Yeah, it was a real good match. Rio um, did some... I ain't going to say new moves, but some maneuvers and moves that she hadn't been able to do in the past. And uh, it seems like she's um, gotten more confident in herself. You know, she's been wrestling for, what, 15 years, 14 years? Since she was nine. Yeah, so uh, she's she's improving a lot. And uh, it seemed like she just was real comfortable uh, Sunday night going against Serena. Well, the one thing that they did that I liked, is you really didn't know who you hadn't seen Riho, you really haven't seen Serena Deeb a lot except AEW. They came out early on and they established who the heel was, who the face was, and that kind of gave the crowd a rooting interest a little bit. They went to shake hands, she slaps her, and it was kind of on from there. It was, it, it was, and like you said, you know, they knew who the heel, who the face was, and it got the crowd going because it's the first, you know, action that probably most of the crowd has seen in a year and a half. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, it really, I mean, me and you could have got out there and they would have been cheering for us. Absolutely. It was, like I said, 5,100 and something people felt like 20,000. Um, I gave the match a B minus. I could have went up a little more from there. The one thing that was not their fault that kind of bothered me, and I don't know why, you know, AEW is outside. All their pay-per-views are outside. When they start in the sun, mm-hmm. and for some reason it distracts me because you feel like it should be a dark arena. But that match, it was still very bright, very middle-of-the-day feel, and that's not their fault. They did their best. They worked really hard. So uh, I actually jacked my grade up to a B-. minus. What did you uh, give it, Howie? You know, talking about the sun and all that, of course, you know, it's outdoor area. Uh, surrounded by bleachers and everything else. So they wouldn't get no air like if they was in an inside arena. And with it being, you know, it wasn't the heat of the day, the hottest part of the day, but still in Jacksonville, it had to be in the 80s, if not more there. So, you know, probably a little bit of humidity going on, you know, a couple little slips here and there because of, I think, because of either their perspiration or whatever is going on. But, uh, you know, overall, I thought it was a solid B match. You know, it... It could have been even a little bit higher than that if it was indoors, if they wouldn't have to deal with the sun and the heat and everything else. 
I think I think we were both. Uh, we'll leave it at this. And the last word on this match, we both thought it was Rio's best effort in AEW. Yes. To this point, I think. I want to say that she she has changed some since we saw her last. Seems like she's put on maybe a little bit of weight, not in a bad way, but she doesn't look as small as she, she weighed, did in the past. She weighed 85 pounds to start with, so uh, it, it, a little weight would have helped her. I think she right. literally did legit weight in the low 100s. And, you know, and nothing, no disrespect or nothing like that, but it seems like she's, you know, she's still in her 20s, if I ain't mistaken, but it seems like she's kind of, Filled into a frame a little bit better than what it was when she first started. Right. And Serena Deeb's just a pro, man. Yeah, she, she's been around forever, but she's still young, but she's been around forever. And, uh, you know, and she's a champion. So, you know, the champions are always going to get their best. Yes. All right, Howie, that match wraps up, and then we're headed to the opening card, and they come out hot. Your first match out of the gate was the machine, Brian Cage, the FTW world champion versus Adam Hangman Page. Page had just lost to Cage on TV two weeks ago. This is a rematch of that match. Uh, They've had a great storyline. The storyline basically built up that said, you know, if you, uh, you know, to Cage, if you, if you can beat me, do it one-on-one, leave Ricky Starks, leave, Hook, leave Will Hobbs in the back, and let's settle this man-to-man. So that's the storyline leading into it. Brian Cage, now the one thing I didn't like, I hated Brian Cage's outfit. It looked like tinfoil or something, but it was a half-man, half-machine, makes his interest. And then Adam Page erupts the place, Howie. Yeah, you know, that's where we differ from. I love I love Brian Cage's uh, outfit that he came out in, you know, half man, half machine. I love that. But like I said, Hangman was a huge, huge favorite, fan favorite um, before the pandemic. And you can tell after the pandemic, it, he still is because he, I'm not going to say he got the biggest pop, but he got probably the top three of the biggest pops of the night. Uh, you know, I'm not sure he didn't. Uh, and I think my problem with Page's outfit, it was very close to something Kenny Omega wore at Wrestle Kingdom, and I almost wondered if they'd recycled something. But <laughs> um, I do think that was one of the biggest pops. If it, 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 the only other pop that I can think of was there with it was, and we'll get to that at the very end in the Stadium Stampede, or maybe uh, Orange Cassidy appearances in the heavyweight title match. But right. it was a huge pop. Um, it, it was. It, it really was. Like I said, it's probably one of the top three. And I'm just talking about as far as entrances, you know. Um, of course, you know, we'll talk about later on. The scene got a huge pop because first time in six, seven years he's competed in a ring with fans and everything. So he got a huge yeah. pop as well. But anyway, I didn't yeah. jump ahead of you. But Well, I mean, uh, we're kind of all over the place here a little bit. Well, now this match I thought told a great story. Uh, the the look. <laughs> The most of the match was Brian Cage's size, dominated the match. Adam Page landing his stuff, getting it in. Adam Page, sometimes Howie, I think he re- wastes the uh, the uh, top turnbuckle moonsault to the floor. But this is the place you use it in a pay-per-view like this. It's absolutely amazing. 
the match went on, and I'm going to pull you a little bit ahead. With Paige dominate, I mean, with Cage dominating the match, the old "Hey, something's coming here" bell goes yeah. on when he tries to use just buckshot lariat, and I thought that was the beginning of the end of the match. That yeah. was the signal. And and you're talking about Cage's, you know, size and everything being the story of the match, pretty much. And if people that don't really know AEW or has never watched it. Adam Page is a pretty good size fella himself. It's just he is. Cage is just twice the size he is. But uh, yeah, you know that I didn't understand really why Cage started imitating Page a little bit. But uh, you know, at the end, I, I do understand. But at the at the moment, I didn't. So you know, at least the story that they're telling it did come out there at the very end. So uh, the match kind of gets turned around there. A little bit. Um, so Adam Page takes over control of the match. So for those that hadn't seen Brian Cage, he's six foot, two seventy two. I mean, he is just a mammoth of a man. And I, I actually thought he was taller than that. Um, trained originally by Chris Canyon, uh, old WCW guy, Tom Pritchard, Norman Smiley. So he's got all the basics. Um, but. It appears during the match that uh, Hook, Taz's legitimate son, uh, Ricky Stark show up at ringside. They've had this great match running about 20 minutes. And they interfere with the match. Slide Cage, the FTW World Heavyweight Champion, and that's when we got the turn. And I think that's a permanent turn for Cage. Uh, One of the criticisms I have of of, uh, AEW, Howie, it seems like they're a, a tad heavy on the heel side. Not a lot of good faces, so they could use another good guy face in that locker room. Right. Cage, re- Cage refuses to hit Page with the belt and then cover, go through the finish with us there, Howie. Yeah, you know, kind of, you know, he, they slide the belt in. He refuses. He looks. He looks at them. He tells them, no, he's not going to do it. He wants to do it on his own because I think what Paige said to him uh, last week or week before last about, you know, hey, you're big enough. You do it on your own. You don't need their help. Kind of, He kind of took that to heart to thinking, yes, I need, I can do it on my own. I want to do it on my own. And so he tells them no. And unfortunately, in the long run, it hurts him. Uh, kind of cost them the match, but um, you know, it, you know, he did what he needed to do. Right, and we get the turn. Page wins the match. Afterwards, uh, Ricky starts, and Hook comes in, and basically, I think at that point we get the "Hey, I don't want you around. I quit Team Taz." And they kind of they kind of leave um, separately. And do you think uh, just to get a little bit off of uh, the beaten path? Do you think Brian Cage is someone that could put seats in the uh, seats in the, the stands? Uh, do you think he could be that big Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior kind of guy? Um, you know, he he's got the look. You know, by by no means. I mean, he's got he's got the look. That part I think he can do. 
you haven't heard him speak very much. So it depends on how good he is with the mic, whether or not he can do that. Looks alone these days will not put butts in the seats. They've got to be able to speak. And so if he can, if he can do the mic like anywhere half the way that he looks, yeah, he can, he can be the man for AEW for years to come. Right. Uh, now, I think next, and get me, I, 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 I wrote down next was the Young Bucks, Moxley, right. and Kingston. For some reason, I got out of order, though, in my notes and wrote down the Casino Battle Royal. But we'll go to the next one. I just want to close up Page and Cage. Here's the three notes I made. Big boy match, great storytelling, back and forth, had a logical beginning and end. I gave an A, and I'll, I'll tell you now, it's my number one match of the pay-per-view. How about you? It, yeah, same here. It, you know, the, it was an A. I give it an A as well because uh, it was a good match. A couple of little slips here and there, but I, I go back to the perspiration and the, the sweat and the humidity and all that being outside could have caused that because you didn't see it later on in the night or later on in the afternoon when, once the sun got down and it cooled off a little bit in there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that was a little bit of it. But it was a great match. Great match. You know, any uh, other time, that could have been a main event at a pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and you you feel like they've set up um, Omega and Paige down the road. One thing AEW hmm. does is best in long-term storytelling. Now, you kind of know where it goes uh, next, which is Jungle Boy, which we'll get to in a minute. But definitely at the main event in September, always late Labor Day weekend, Paige versus Omega would be a serious contender to, to uh, headline all out, all in, whatever they call it this year. You know, with a cage, or I mean, excuse me, with Paige winning, that should put him back at the number one spot because, you know, he was the number yeah. one contender until cage beat him. So he should be able to move back up. Well, I think jungle boy by default, gets the number one is what they said. So we'll find out when the show tomorrow night, or I guess it's Friday night. All right. So let's go on to the next match. Now I'm going to stop here for a minute. Um, and I, I'm just going to ask you a frank and honest question. Had you heard of Eddie Kingston before AEW? Now I had, I'm a little bit of a more of an indie fan than you are. Did you know of Eddie Kingston much? No, I did not. No, not a, not a clue until he showed up that night. Okay, Eddie Kingston is, um, if you want to go back, uh, Sweet and Sour uh, Incorporated was kind of an indie underground thing, and uh, it ended in tragedy as the manager took his own life later on. But uh, Brody Lee was involved in some of that area. John Moxley was involved. Uh, Eddie Kingston they were all big scenes in that. Uh, uh, Cesaro was another one that was kind of in that New York indie scene. No one in the world has shot theirself in the leg more than Eddie Kingston. He had a job in TNA, got fired, uh, had multiple tryouts with WWE, never could make one stick. Does his one match with Cody Rhodes on AEW for the TNT title Got a job offer from AEW. Got a job offer from the WWE. This is a guy that just prior to that 
had sold his ring gear to pay for food and shelter for his family. So that being said, when Moxley and Kingston does the lack of a word, better word, shield entrance through the crowd, Kingston was a superstar in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moxley even threw a cheer into the crowd. So that was kind of a feel good moment in that pay-per-view. It was, and for the people that have saw Kingston, he's he's not the biggest guy. He's not the most well-built guy, but, man, when he gets in the ring, he can wrestle, and then once his hand gets on that microphone, he can talk. He can talk as good as probably anybody. Yeah, I 100% go with it. Um, now, this match, uh, we're running long. Like We already talked about this match seemed like it run long. Right. And uh, it did. It went 22 minutes and it really, or 32 minutes, I forgot, I wrote it down. And it really felt like it should have been a tight 20. Uh, mm-hmm. Good storytelling. The Bucks did the Bucks. Uh, we saw uh, Frankie Kansarian show up as the elite killer when the Good Brothers tried to get involved. Uh, so you got some background. You you had the, the, the your Jordans that that stole from the Young Bucks. Uh, But it really was a back-and-forth match. And even Moxley, uh, they got an Indy driver on Moxley on the ramp. And, boy, he gushed blood there for a little while, Howie. He did. He really did. He did. You know, they got, uh, yeah, like you said, they got the Meltzer driver on the ramp there. Um, It was a good match, back-and-forth, back-and-forth. The Young Bucks took control there for, for a minute, and you know, and they neutralized the ring with uh, um, Eddie Kingston there, took advantage of him having that bum leg that they heard a couple weeks ago. Good, uh, kind of re- storytelling, yeah, kind of re injured it. It went back to the point right there, and then you know, Kingston got the hot tag on Moxley, crowd went wild. Uh, Moxley took advantage for a few minutes, and then it went back and forth again to the very end till uh, you know, the young bucks. Did the uh, what the the elite knees or what what is they call it? The V trigger killer knees. Yeah, they did. Uh, uh what what four on my three? Four, four of them on Moxley. Did it surprise right. you that Moxley put the Young Bucks over clean in the middle of the ring? One, two, three. No, not at all. I, you know, I think Moxley is a team player. He does what needs to be done, and uh, you know. This is this, to me. This will not be the end of the feud, but uh, you know, it, he did what needed to be done. Yeah, I, I thought so too. Um, it was definitely uh, one of my favorite matches. Uh, so it was a good match. Again, I just want to plug. Uh, coming up tonight at night, three R. It says eight, but it's at nine. And of course, off the record, every week at seven with Randall. Um, I thought it was a good match. I was a little surprised they put or Moxley goes under right in the middle. One, two, three is Moxley is one of the bigger stars of AEW. Um, anything. I mean, there's not a whole lot that I have on this match other than it was a good match. Moxley puts him over clean. Eddie Kingston is a star. Uh, will be around AEW. My notes. Um, and it's not like, me to take notes, but you can see I was I taking notes, and uh, uh, what I wrote down was uh, 
I told you I had them out of order, so you have to you have to bear with me. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Back, back to Moxley taking the pin there in the middle of the ring. I felt like he had to because Young Bucks are trying to be be the heels, and they're not actually heels yet, but they're trying to get there. I think with them taking you know with Moxley doing it, that really helped them solidify that they are heels the way they want to be. A couple of moments that I want to highlight. One was they 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 intentionally did the shield or attempted to do the shield powerbomb on Moxley where they give the ugh that Roman Reigns was done. I thought that was a, a a good moment. And I also thought, and this one was a much more subtle, but I thought they played homage to Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin with Moxley with the blood streaming down his face in the sharpshooter in the middle of the ring, that iconic image of Stone Cold and Bret Hart. So there was a couple of kind of iconic moments brought into that match. And, and I thought that, that those were well played. Even the Shield, uh, I don't think it was an insult to the Shield. I think it was more paying homage no. to the Shield. So uh, I gave the match a solid B. How about you? Right. Yeah, a B, a B is it because, you know, it, it was a good match. There's some swords in there where you thought that, uh, you know, the Young Bucks would want to cheat win and everything, but it didn't come to fruition. So, uh, yeah, I, I give it a B. All right, Howie, next on to the uh, – we'll cut some time and get through the casino battle roll. Yeah, because if, if we do, every every person that went in there would be here all night long. So, basically, so, let, let me tell you my aspect of it real quick. Christian Cage was the first one that came out, and he was next to the last one to leave. So, you know, hats off to him staying in, that, staying in the ring so long. All right, so I've got, I've got the thumbnail cheat. Let's go through it real fast. Kristen Cage first went in, eliminated by Jungle Boy. Matt Sydal first went in, or second one in, eliminated by Max Caster. I thought Caster rapped where he went at Christian and said he's lost his edge, went at the Hardy. I thought it was all good. Powerhouse Hobbs later eliminated by Kristen Cage. I thought that was two people that I thought could win it early on. Dustin Rhodes, the bull rope had to play into it. He carried out. Used against him uh, by Powerhouse Hobbs, he's eliminated. Max Caster would go out to Kristen Cage. Next five in, Isaiah Kennedy, the Hardys, Preston Vance, Nick Camarado, and Serpentino. Serpent, Serpent, Yeah, that one. Uh, where <laughs> Dr. Luther throws him into the ring. That's the best part of that one. Uh, Camarino, I think, is a star Preston Vance has a moment with Hardy and Kennedy to start with. Really makes him look like a superstar. Uh, Kenny, Cassidy gets eliminated by Jungle Boy. Hardy gets eliminated by Kristen Cage. God, that's a great wrestling moment. Hardy and Kristen Cage. You think of all the matches. Preston uh, Vance uh, eliminates Dustin Rhodes after he gets the bull rope from Hobbs. Uh, Dustin Rhodes eliminates Nick Conabaro. Uh, the masked member of the chaos is eliminated by 10. Not a lot in that second group, but just part of it felt like it was a film storyteller. The next group up, and I really thought this group, we saw two people that are going to be stars. The first two out are Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. 
they're doing everything they can to get Pillman Jr. over. They're just not giving it to him. He's 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 the king of dark. But I really think they've discovered something with Griff Garrison and Pillman Jr. Don't uh, as a future tag team. Yeah, that tag team. I'd say within the next year to two years, they'll be the tag team champions. Yeah, I, I would think so too. Uh, Colt Cabana, boom boom, just comes out. Anthony Bowens uh, is out, and uh, Penta L Zero is out. Um, good, good, good little group there. Uh, I thought Pillman and Griff Garrison kind of showed out a little bit, uh, but they're setting up. They're eating. Uh, they're eating time up. I thought uh, Penta would have a good moment with Jungle Boy a little later on, but it's it's definitely it's building now. The ant room. Is it fair to say that they're getting the ring emptied by the time the next group comes in? They're not letting it clog up to 20 or 10 guys. They're keeping about five guys. And then here comes you, the next. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. You could see what was going on. You know, once you get 15 or 20 people in there, it's hard to tell who's doing what. But right. the way they were doing it, keeping it cleared out, as you say, you could see some of the action going on. You could see some of the moves going on. And you could actually tell who was still in and who was out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next group, Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, Aaron Solo, who I think is, he's caught a lot of flack. He's Bailey's in the WWE's boyfriend. He's a pretty good worker, though. Uh, I like Aaron Solo. Evil Uno and another kid they're trying to push from the Nightmare Factory, Lee Johnson. Uh, that group, I thought Mark Quinn done some great work. I mm-hmm. thought Evil Uno's elimination of Penta L Zero was a. I mean, that's a big moment for Evil Uno to get that elimination. Uh, what stuck out in that group to you? Oh man, um, I didn't take notes. So I really, to be honest with you, I don't, nothing really stuck out at that point. You know, I was just really surprised that Christian Cage was still in the match. You know, because most of the people that came out in that first uh, first right. five was already out. And so, you know, he was able to stick around, you know, to the end. So, so. Jungle Boy comes out in the last group. Kristen Cage in the first group. They're going to play a huge part of this in just a minute. Number 21, Leo Rush from New Japan Wrestling, former WWE guy. As the paper said or the rag sheets, He's not signed to AEW, but continued part of the talent exchange. I thought if you had nobody, it was a pretty good, you know, he's well known among the indie guys, but it wasn't the shock of uh, Brian Danielson or, uh, you know, somebody walking out like that. But it was more like, "Eh, okay, I really not overly impressed, but it was somebody new. It it didn't have that wow factor really but on the flip side considering he didn't stay in the match but maybe two or three minutes you know it, it was just a filler maybe they couldn't get nobody else in there at the time so right you know, he did do and, some and good roster, moves while he's in there the roster is jam-packed right now this roster really needs yes. that third hour to start i right. mean really before they add anybody all right so at bing and bang everybody's in and out it comes down to Kristen cage and Jungle Boy, how sure were you that Christian Cage was about to go over? Uh, you know, not not real sure. About one hundred and twenty percent, really. <laughs> uh, you know, 
from everything that I kind of read and the way I've been watching, I really thought that he was going to get the shot at Kenny Omega, and they kind of threw a little curveball in there, and 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 I like it because Jungle Boy Jack Perry is a young and upcoming star that's he could be, you know, he's going to be there for quite a while. Yeah, Jungle Boy, 22 or three years old. Uh, and, and he can lose to Omega in a good match on Dynamite or Rampage, and it doesn't harm him. If you give Christian Cage Omega on free TV like that, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Jungle Boy, I, Jungle Boy Jack Perry is, I love the way Jim Bross. Uh, uses that. And Jim Ross, I thought, at times has been lost in AEW. I thought he had a real good night last night. Um, he did. I thought he, he, really was, did. he was really good on Sunday night. Um, and that's why I said Jung Boy Jack Perry, because I love because that's the way he does it as well. I mean, he's in the same boat with that situation there. And, and you know, he's not made a light over that he's looked Perry's son. He's done it quietly. Right. But do you know how much if if AEW wanted to make it about we have Luke Perry's son on roster, uh, it wouldn't be fair to Jack Perry. They do it just enough to recognize his dad, but it's really not what he's about. Um, Jack Perry's proved he's a great professional wrestler. Jack Perry, uh, all 175 pounds of him wins the Casino Battle Royal, becomes the number one contender, and in a couple of weeks on Dynamite gets a shot at Kenny Omega. Uh, I thought they finished it great. The moment yes. that saved it for me was they had Christian Cage come back in the ring and basically tell Jack Perry, make the most of your title shot. A good, a feel-good moment between two feel-good wrestlers. Uh, also, they kind of went at it, but it was not heel babyface. It was babyface, babyface going mm-hmm. at it with Jack Perry and Christian. And I, I, I got to admit, I miss the days when you could have a good baby face match like that. So what did you think of the finish, Howie? I loved it when uh, I thought it was over with when Christian was going to push uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry into the corner, but he just wraps himself around and kind of does a uh, boomerang around it, gets back into the ring there. And then he, uh, I can't remember the exact move that he done, but he flips uh, Christian Cage out of the ring like a back body drop or something like that. I think it's what it actually was. Yeah, the back body drop and a Christian ends up getting eliminated and he wins. That that finishing sequence right there was really, really, really good. All right, Richard Jasper checking on quarterback one. Welcome, Richard. Hey, this is our first wrestling show. We're this is off the record with Randall. Uh, Richard Jasper has a show on this uh, network too. A great card collecting show. Howie, if you ever get a chance to watch it. All right, so. We are halfway through the event. Uh, okay, oh, let's get a score. Let's get a grade on the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, here was my notes, and uh, I called it. Uh, the bull rope was so obvious. It had to come out. Varsity Blondes, Future Stars. Leo Rush kind of served his purpose. The Edge and Hardy, uh, the Christian and Matt Hardy moments was good. Jungle Boy wins plus, 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 brings it up to an A minus for me. 
Yeah, um, Jungle Boy winning was an A. Overall, the whole thing was, I'd give it like a B minus. Um, you know, there's a few spots there that I thought could have been a certain way, could have been a little bit better, but overall, I'd say uh, A. All right. Well, uh, quickly, we're running out of – boy, Howie, we didn't we didn't schedule our time too well tonight, but uh, that's my fault. Uh, we got a lot to get through. I just want to remind everybody, hey, Richard, we'll cover some old wrestling too on here. Uh, we're kind of old ourselves. We love old wrestling. Uh, and you've been from Michigan. You're probably a chic guy. Uh, Howie, at halfway point of the, the pay-per-view – I kind of felt like we had uh, we had a good pay per view going, but they needed to finish it up, and then yeah. come what I thought was the worst match of the night. And let's just be honest: if I t- if I ask you right now, and you and I are friends, been friends forever, who is my favorite wrestler? You would say who? Yeah, it's Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, without a doubt. I'm a Rhodes family member. I, I was a Dusty Rhodes fan. I was a Cody Rhodes fan. I worked for Dusty Rhodes in the WCW. Uh, I've known Dusty. I've known Cody. I've when, known when, Dusty. We saw, when we saw Cody get the uh, belt straps from MJF and Hustle, I saw you shedding tears. Yeah, you, did, I, you didn't like it either. I was upset, man. I was, ready to, I was ready to take myself into the ring. I don't know if I cried, but that was a rough – honestly, that was rough to watch in person too. It was. Um I thought the next match laid a complete egg, man. Uh, You have Anthony Agogo, an Olympic bronze medal boxer, a former top five boxer who tragically had to give up his boxing career, and he's now training to be a wrestler, versus Cody Rhodes carrying the title of the American Dream for the first time ever. And it 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 was bad. Um, it was. They tried to tell the story of Anthony Gogo um, being the Olympic boxer, Cody Rhodes being the wrestler. But Howie, my problem is I'm beginning to feel like every Cody Rhodes match feels the same. How about you? Yes, yeah, it is. It's starting to be. They don't really build his matches up. It's just like they throw them together. There's no story beforehand. What is it? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, him and go go get into it, and all of a sudden now they're in a pay per view. Yeah, uh, and and it, and it seems like Cody Rhodes is trying to put over these new guys, but the new guys haven't done anything else to help that situation. Well, also I think you know Cody Rhodes made up his mind early on not to compete for the AEW Championship, and it just doesn't feel like he's there other than to fill the semi-main event card. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's like he's lost his direction. He's just there to put butts in seats, basically. Yeah, the match was good work. Uh, It was about as predictable as predictable comes. Cody Rhodes beats Anthony Gogo. The best part of the match was he did use a vertebraker, something you don't see every day. It's a little Mm -hmm. different finish than seven the crossroads. Uh, Goes home. I think you put a major ding in Anthony Gogo's future, and I don't think you did anything to press Cody Rhodes down the road. Uh, and nobody, I think he's paid. I'm sorry, nobody came out of this, you know, plus 
out their name. You know, they they came in at a certain point and they left at a certain point. It didn't help either one of them. Well, every other match up to this point, I feel like did something for somebody. This one, yeah. I didn't really do nothing. Uh, Cody Rhodes Anthony, over Anthony Agogo. We'll leave it there. Um, I really, what do you think? Uh, last comment on Cody, my favorite wrestler. What do they need to do to get Cody back on track to being Cody? My honest opinion and my, what I feel like is they're going to have plenty of time to come up with something because with Brandy fixing that baby, you know, what I do, Cody's going to want a baby with Brandy and that baby for as long as he can. So I got a feeling he's going to take a hiatus for a while. Uh, would you would you say maybe a heel turn is in line? Possibly when he comes back. Possibly yep. when he comes back. All right. What what they could what may be happening is somebody does something to him to kind of put him on the shelf for a while, him not like it, and then come back as a a, uh, a bad guy. All right. So I gave the match a C minus. Uh, I. I struggled to get it there. It was good work. Cody Rhodes, interest is always gold. Anthony Gogo, I feel like a future star. I gave it a C minus. What did you give it? I have to go to incomplete, really. It was just it was just missing something. It just wasn't a wasn't a match of Cody Rhodes caliber. All right, next match. We um, again tonight at nine, three R Sports with Raj Meta. Robbie Davis, be on at 9 o'clock tonight. Howie, we're talking about uh, – we're going to do something fun tonight. We're going to do an all-NBA team. We're going to split up and draft. Uh, like, everybody gets five picks. You get pick two, and Michael Jordan goes first, and you take LeBron James. You got three. You take Kareem. We're going to put five players together and find out who has the best team. So it's all-time all time NBA then. Yes, and also tonight we're going to cover DraftKings released gambling odds for the college football season, and we'll be discussing that. Now, as disappointed as the Cody match was that we could have laid it out, I think the next match was just as easily a predict, but it was a great match as Dr. Britt Brit Baker, DMD, wins the AEW World's Ladies Championship over Sheeta. And it, it was a great match. I really enjoyed this match. This might have been my third favorite match on the card. So, uh, started really hot. Sheeta, always a good worker. Sheeta, Sheeta is a good wrestler. Uh, had the title for over a year, but this was Dr. Brick Baker's time to be crown, crown champion. And even Rebel getting involved was funny. And you're right. She did look out like Elvira. <laughs> What was your impression of this match? It was a good match. Probably my, my second favorite of the night, you know, first being the Hangman Page match. But this was a good match. Both ladies got their got their stuff in. They went at it hard. Uh, they left everything out in the ring. And, uh, you know, it's Brett Baker's time because she has worked so hard. You know, the last time she got to this point was famous thing when she broke her nose and she had to miss some time. And so she basically had to start over from scratch. And once that happened, you know, uh, nothing has stopped her since. And she's steamrolled everybody and has done a great job. And it's probably one of the best women heels out there other than Charlotte Flair. Oh, it was great. 
Uh, I thought it was good. We'll not spend a lot of time there. We got to catch up a little bit. We'll cut some time out of the next match too. But I really loved uh, the false finishes at the end, the yes. crutch, the roll up, uh, going home. And finally, I thought it was ironic that she should end with the uh, lockjaw. And I thought that was a great finish to this match. It was. It was a great finish. I really thought that uh, Sheeta was going to win once uh, Riva Rebel hit her with a crutch. But she came back from that, and the false finishes, like you said, really made the match a lot better than uh, made it a lot better. So, um, you know, I thought, you know, overall, you know, we're giving grades. I think it was a, a B plus match myself. All right, uh, and I hate to jump off of that match, but let's let's grade it. I gave it a B plus. Right. That's why I gave you? it to a B plus. Yeah, a B plus. All right. Quickly, uh, we'll talk about, and then we'll get. We got. Four more matches to get through. Miro versus the Mary Motorhawk Lance Archer for the TNT title was just a slug. Two big guys beating each other up for 10 minutes. Nothing nothing fancy, nothing nothing laid out. Uh, Jake gets involved. I mean, that's what you want to see when you have two big monsters like that, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you don't expect to, you don't, you know, you don't expect them to get out there and do hurricanes and and uh, jumping off the top rope and all this other stuff. They just went out there and beat the dog out of each other. And uh, pardon the pun, but the best man won. That's funny. Um, I thought Jake added something, and sometimes I question whether he does, but he kind of added something to this mix. And I think him and, uh, him and Lance Archer are good together, right. but – I really think they got to get Miro over at this point. And we said it the other night. He is over, but there's still something missing from Miro to Rusev. And I don't know what it is, but it's like they're searching for something more. Uh, and I don't know if it's uh, Lana, the Rusev Day chant, but uh, it was a good match. Overall, I thought the only thing – you know, not Lance Archer did get his little guy flippy stuff in uh, when he did. Uh, I gave the match a B minus. Did you have anything radically different than that? No, nah, just a B. I'd give it a solid B. That was it. Uh, you know, like I said, two guys out there just hammering on each other, and uh, you know, it ended the way it should have ended. All right, and it was a long pay-per-view. If you can't tell, folks, we're even running long trying to get it out. 46 minutes in, and we go to Darby Allen, Sting versus, and I really think Page and Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky deserves a name of some kind, but uh, this was a match kind of threw together. Not a lot of backstory to it, but Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky and Darby Allen and even Sting at 61 years old can still go. A great match. Uh, a, a little bit of every kind of style. And again, I think Ethan Page may be a future world champion. Uh, I really like, not a lot of storytelling to build upon, but Sting in the ring at 61. I, I really liked the move where they kind of come over the top rope. Sting catches him in a... Um, uh, uh, a death fall, a death drop, 
Uh, a lot of good highlight oh. moments. I gave it a B minus, and I'm probably low. I was wanting to go up to a B. I give it a B. You know, Sting first time in the ring in seven years, competitive action. Took a took a suplex out on the out on the uh, entrance way, and just popped right back up from that. Basically, telling everybody he's back. He can take bumps. Uh, you know, a good all around match. It had a little bit of everything in there. So you know, I'd give it I give it a solid B. And I may be a little bit too low on that myself, but uh, I enjoyed the match. It was good. Did this match get lost in the excitement of everything going on? Because that's kind of how I felt. That even though it was Sting and it was Darby Allen, it was kind of like, this is when I chose to get up and go reheat my pizza. Well, you know, it just because it's been so Here's what happened. You know, it actually came after a women's title match because you got out of sequence for a second. It was right after the women's title match. And that was such a good match that, yeah, it, it kind of got lost in between that one. And, of course, the uh, next one was going to be the Kenny Omega match. So it was kind of like a take-a-breath type, relax type deal. It should have been somewhere else in besides in between those two. Right. And I think that's the reason they put Hangman Page and Brian Cage at the opening match so that match could stand on its own. They right. have this card so full. Um, and double or nothing, if, if you don't know, for the fans out there in AEW land, this is, I guess, WrestleMania and SummerSlam were the big, two big WWE pay-per-views. This is their SummerSlam, for lack of a better word. So, a lot going on. Um, one last thing with this match. So, I think we saw Sting will work some again. Um, so, I think we'll see Sting more than we think. Also, I don't want, before we go on to the two final matches, and it was back a little bit, but Mark Henry is all elite was announced as the new color commentary of Rampage. Uh, I really, I like Mark Henry, I, I, but I, do you have, does the AEW have the two biggest color commentaries in the world with <laughs> Big Show and Mark Henry? Uh, what do you think I of mean, Mark Henry joining on? I think Mark Henry will wrestle again, by the way. He's already right, said well, one more match. I, I don't know if he'll wrestle or not, but, you know, just that veteran presence back there in the locker room would be huge for all these younger guys, like a Darby Allen, like a um, uh, Eddie Kingston, like a um, uh, Hangman Adam Page, a, a uh, Jungle Boy. You know, they're all young guys, so they can use that veteran leadership back there in the locker room. And Mark Henry's been around for quite a while. Right. You're right. Absolutely. All right. To, uh, I'm going to call it a co-main event. The six-star bout machine, Kenny Omega versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy. I got it out. I was, I was so scared I was going to call him by a little nickname we have between us. Uh, good match. I really almost bought in that Orange Cassidy was going over at the end. Yeah. Uh, it would not surprise me at some point for them to pull a completely out of the blue Orange Cassidy wins the world title uh, title. This is probably not the time and place. Uh, I really liked Pac and Orange Cassidy working together. Uh, but Kenny Omega, 
on a reversal of a crucifix wins the match. For a three-way match, it was good, not great. I mean, all three of these guys have had better matches, but one thing about three-ways, they get a little – it can get sloppy at times, Allie, for lack of a better word. It can, and Orange Cassidy, when he puts his hands in his pockets, he's one of the best athletes that AEW's got. I mean, yeah. Yes. I mean, think about it. It's hard for me just to walk across the floor without my hands in my pockets. And he's, you know, he's doing nip-ups. He's doing jumping off the top rope with his hands in his pockets and everything else. So, I mean, that, that's how right there being able to do all that stuff. But, uh, you know, overall, that. I thought, yeah, go ahead. Reverse the German by putting his hands in his pockets. I mean, kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, you just don't see that every day. Uh, you know, that, to me, that's probably one reason why he's one of my favorite wrestlers is because he can do that stuff. You know, I like to see some of these other guys kind of attempt it to see how they can, how they would do, you know. But, you know, Omega's a, you know, he's a huge name. He's got the belt right now. He's the champion. I think he's going to hold on to the championship for a little bit longer until this pandemic is kind of not really officially over, but until they get on the road week in and week out because, you know, you, you need somebody like that to hold the belt until they get back on the road and then give it somebody like a Orange Cassidy, like a Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. Let the crowd reaction just go nuts when they come out with it. Do, um, and I don't know if you've read, but in the last couple of weeks, Don Callis is officially out of TNA yeah. as the president of TNA, and now he's an on-screen talent for AEW on a full-time basis. Do you like Don Callis just in that on-screen basis with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers? He's irritating, and I hate him, and I can't decide if that means he's great or I hate him for other reasons. I hate Bobby Brain Heenan, too, but that was because Bobby Brain was so great. I, honestly, I don't think he brings anything to the table as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's a pretty good talker, but uh, I mean, Omega's a good talker himself, so it ain't like that he's got to have him out there being being his voice. So, you know, Don Callis walking in and out of the ring with him, and, eh, you know, I would never miss him if he wasn't there. So. There was also a moment in the match we'd be neglect to not bring it up um, where – of course, Southern Cal was SoCal was just uh, forced. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kansarian forced to break up. Kansarian dubs himself the Elite Hunter. The Good Brothers come out and he stops them. Kansarian like feels like someone they're going to put put some uh, glamour on right now. Does he not to you? He does. You know that's that's probably why they did the break up. Um, he, you know, he's got he's got a lot of potential that can really help his uh, organization out. Yeah, and, and Christopher Daniels in his late forties, uh, a trainer in in uh, AEW. Uh, my note was uh, low blow helped to get us to the finish. Uh, of course, the roll up we've already talked about, dragon suplex. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Pac is just. A lot of people, if you've not seen AEW, it's Neville from the WWE. Um, just, I would hate to fight Pac. Don't he just feel like a guy? Uh, and I hate to use this comparison because his name is such a stigma, but it's kind of like Chris Benoit back in the day. 
You just feel like you worked mm-hmm. so real in the ring that um, he could beat you up outside the ring. So, Pac oh, is, is just a legit bad man. Right. Yeah, and he, he did some great stuff last night as well. Don't mean to overlook him, but we're kind of short on time just trying to kind of get through this. But, you know, Orange Cassidy, you know, like I said, uh, putting his hands in his pocket, doing that stuff is this to me is awesome. Uh, Omega's Steals a champion. Yeah, and then, you know, you got you got Pac that came out there and he put on a heck of a show for everybody last night and did a great job. It just came up a little short. Uh, I, I And I just added five minutes to our broadcast. So let's not cut the next short. If we need to run over five minutes, I just set it up to do so. Um, the Howie Chaney along with Randall Cunningham here on AEW, a double or nothing review. Howie, I, I think we do this again, man. This seems like a lot of fun to me. Um, yeah, it is. And, uh, we, something you know, we love. Yeah, it is. And don't forget about Stampede. We got one more, one more match uh, to talk about. Yeah, that's I, I, the reason I put the five minutes on there. Okay. Uh, I gave the world title match a B. Uh, it could have been better, but again, it gets caught. Uh, the emotion of Britt Baker, DMD, winning the women's championship, uh, it was a lot, you know? And you know, if it, if it hadn't been for this match or the uh, Stampede, it could have actually been the main event of this pay-per-view. Yes, yes, you're, you're right. But uh, this match right here, I, you know, I give it a big plus mainly because of Orange Cassidy. I mean, I just I love watching him, especially when he puts his hands in his pockets. He can he can just fly. He can fly all over the place. Yep, I loved it. But on to folks, stay with us. To me, of the blood and guts, the two stadium stampedes. All the gimmick matches that's been done in AEW. The next stadium stampede between the inner circle and the pinnacle, to me, was the best gimmick match we've ever had in the AEW. We've got multiple kind of celebrity nods. Um, We've got funny moments, but not too funny, ha-ha. I think they got too funny with it last time. Uh, the yes. biggest funny moment I thought in this one was Gravara obviously got over, ran over last time by my, Matt Hardy in a golf cart. He kind of repays Sean Spears and does the same to him. But for the most part, a very serious match. Uh, I thought the entrance, MJF drives in and uh, OMO gets out by himself, starts demanding for the inner circle and Jericho in the back of the stadium coming down the jumbotron is the members of the inner circle. And we haven't seen anything like that in a long time. Unfortunately, probably the death of uh, Owen Hart probably Mm -hmm. prevents some stunts like that in wrestling today. But I thought it was absolutely a great intro and it was Uh, pre-taped. I'm not of the, ilk that all this happened as the stadium went on, but it was pre-taped, but it was a great intro, Howie. It, it was. At first, I thought it was going to zip line in, really. I thought they was going to zip line down like 50-yard line, but then all of a sudden, I see they 
kind of repelling down the scoreboard there, and that made it awesome to see that. Either way, would been was awesome. The inner circle comes down. They go towards the uh, limo. MJF is walked locked up to locked up inside of it, and to the side comes uh, the FTR truck, for lack of a better word, the one they showed up. And I'm going to tell you where I got one of the biggest cackles of the night, though. Tully Blanchard looking like 1985 bunkhouse stampede. <laughs> yeah. Getting out of the back of the truck like he's going to do some fighting. And I don't know why that was so funny to me. But I laughed, Hallie. FDR gets out, jumps the inner circle. MJF comes out. And it's on, buddy. Uh, and they really was four separate matches. Uh, yeah. FDR along with Santana Ortiz, goes their direction. Sean Spears, Sammy Guevara goes in their direction. MJF uh, and uh, Jericho goes in their direction. And then Hagar and Wardlow go in their direction. What's your highlights? Maybe let's start with, let's start with Wardlow and Hagar. What was your favorite part of that? Favorite part of that is, I guess, when uh, they went through the wall in one of the rooms there. Uh, I, I kind of I like that. Really wasn't expecting it, but they went through the wall, and uh, you know, and like you said, the power bomb off the the uh, golf cart or whatever type of vehicle yeah. was that was pretty cool as well. It's two big guys, and they have chemistry together. Every time yeah. you've seen Warlow and Hagar lock up, it's been a world class match. I did like the bump, as you said, the one bump earlier looked kind of fake. The bump off the top of the golf cart looked really good. And, I, you know, they've never gave Hagar his victory over Wardlow back. So Wardlow's still one up on him. So you can go some mileage with that. And I think, you know, overall, Hagar-Wardlow was probably a 50-50 battle until he goes off the top of the golf cart. It was. 50-50 all the way. All right. Next was another part was my favorite part. When that would be. Uh, FTR, uh, Wheeler and Hardwood, along with Santano and Ortiz, they meet in the bar inside the stadium. There's a DJ in the background. They pull each other some drinks. I thought that was a really cool moment. Like, we're getting ready to fight old school. And then they both look towards the DJ, and it's Conan, who managed Santano and Ortiz in TNA for a long time. Great moment, and Conan's such a legend. Yeah, he, he was. It really surprised me because I heard I heard he's in pretty bad health and couldn't get out and do nothing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here he is. He's down in uh, Jacksonville at a pay-per-view, and this really, it really surprised me. That was kind of one of the last people I'd expect to see there. Uh, Conan struggled with his health, and it's good to see him, man. Um, yeah. Conan is, for the people that don't know, Conan is Hulk Hogan. Of Mexico, he is the biggest star in Mexican wrestling history, probably. Uh, good action in there, uh, just a daggum realistic street fight to me. Um, it's a legit bar brawl because it's in a bar. Uh, four bad guys, you know. Yes, uh, I really think Santana and Ortiz, when they signed from TNA, uh, they were never going to be the instant impact that FTR was, but they have really found their niche with Jericho in the inner circle. Don't you think? Yeah, they have. They, uh, they, that helped them. That's 
out of everybody, it's probably helped them more than that, more than anyone. All right. Now, obviously, we should we're going to go out of order here because the biggest stars in this match are, of course, the demo god Chris Jericho, uh, the goat of AEW, and MJF, and they go to the inner workings of the football stadium and they start battling all over it and eventually ends up in the coach's office where not one, but two former SEC coaches are in there. Uh, Charlie Strong, uh, head coach at Louisville and Texas, uh, former defensive coordinator at Florida, uh, and Urban Meyer, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars are in there. And that's where Jericho and MJF ends up. And that was a really good segment, Howie. It was, and you know the thing about it to me was it's going to get out there. It's going to make it on ESPN. It's going to make it on these sports channels with Urban Meyer and Charlie Strong being there. And you know, uh, Urban Meyer telling, uh, I think it was Jericho, go ahead and use the laptop to use it if you needed to. And he just, you know, hits his MJF on top of the head with the laptop. That laptop. First, you had Charlie Strong chunking him footballs, hitting MJF with it. And then he asked, Urban Meyer says, go ahead, gives him his laptop. And I mean, full throttle, busted in the back of the head with the laptop. Uh, One thing not to miss here, though, uh, and I know it was one of those pre-recorded segments. Chris Jericho did all that with the dislocated elbow, man. And and they did not take it easy on the elbow. MJF took every shot he could, I'm sure, with projection, protection on uh, Jericho's elbow. I thought, I thought it helped, helped the storyline, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, it did. And MJF don't take it easy on nobody, it don't seem like. He, he's one of the uh, – he's probably one of the tighter workers that AEW has. Right. Uh, and like also, you said, Jericho did all this with this one did elbow and – you know, in, I don't know if you noticed there toward the end of the end of the match or not. They took the uh, the uh, brace off or MJF to brace off and put it down into the crowd. So somebody got a souvenir, you know, walking yeah. away with a MJF souvenir. Yeah, you're right. Um, now one more, one other thing. They also brought a cutout of Shad Khan, uh, <laughs> Tony Khan's dad, into it, and MJF hits it, and Jericho tells him he's in all kinds of trouble now. So. Another cute moment. But the highlight of the show was, and I know I'm about to explain, everybody can get um, emotional about this and say, yeah, you know, Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara are world-class wrestlers, Howie. And they put on a show uh, including a little gimmick with Sammy running over him with the golf cart. But once they come back into the stadium, the five minutes they're inside the stadium, which the crowd erupts when they come back in, was probably five minutes of the best wrestling I saw all night. Yeah, it, it was. And and one reason I think the crowd erupted is because they probably didn't think this is going to get to see any more live wrestling that night because they thought it was going to take place in the stadium and they were done. They were going to be watching it on the um, – the uh, Tron or Jumbo Tron that they had there where the yeah. wrestling took place at, you know, and uh, 
uh, someone posted a picture on Twitter today where a lot of the people in the upper deck left because they thought they were done. They didn't think that they would actually get to see anything else. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, those two can work. They can work hard. They ain't just my opinion, your opinion. It's pretty much everybody's opinion. And uh, it ended up being a good five minutes back in the ring. Sammy Guevara lands a 640 to take the victory for the inner circle. Uh, a move, and let's let's admit, Sean Spears had some rebuilding to do after the WWF. Sammy Guevara's been in trouble for his mouth two different times that he's been in AEW. Um, but you feel like AEW wants Sammy Guevara to be a future star. And the best part of it, man, at the end of a great pay-per-view, you end up with Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Santana Ortiz, Jake Hager, in the middle of the ring, in Daly's place, in front of 5,000 people, singing Judas, and going nuts. And that's what we've missed without live yes. wrestling. It is. And, you know, with uh, Sammy Guevara getting a win for the inner circle, we've kind of hit on this a little bit earlier about how much more does Jericho have in the tank? That could yeah. be the first step of Guevara taking over the inner circle when Jericho decides to step down. Jericho's got a great future behind the booth. He's the best. Oh, he's yes. the best announcer they have. I'll say it again. The best announcer they have. He can, he can be another He can be another Jerry Lawler you know, type of person that's Absolutely. been in the ring that has done it and that tells it like it is, basically. The eight hours that him, Tony Schiavone, did during the start of the pandemic was the best eight hours of AEW maybe all year. Um, would you like to give a stadium stampede a grade? I gave it an eight minus. What about you? After the last stadium stampede, it was it went from elf to up to this one here was eight. Yeah, I mean it was it was a total one hundred eighty degree reverse there because it was a lot better than the last. And yeah, you had your little tongue cheek cheek type uh, action that went on. A little bit of ha-ha going on, but it was just a very little, just enough to get a little bit of a chuckle, and they went back into the action. Absolutely. Overall, um, uh, where where do you rate this pay-per-view? Uh, is this a must-see? Top 10 lifetime? Great pay-per-view? It, it was a great pay-per-view. One of the better ones I've seen in the last two or three years. Not just AEW, but WWE as well. You know, uh, out of all the wrestling pay-per-views I've saw, this is one of the best ones I've saw in the last three to four years easily. Yeah, I, I, I will rate it. The original All-In uh, that kind of kicked AEW off, and then I'll have this one as my number two. Despite the huge pop of Moxley showing up at the first double or nothing when he come through the crowd, I really... I thought this was the second best one. So uh, just a little business here. Howie and I did this for the first time. If you like it, give us some feedback. Uh, this is something we would like to continue doing either here on Off the Record with Randall or even in a second show, which when we started uh, River City Podcasting, this was supposed to be the one of the roots of it was uh, pro wrestling. But Howie, you know, sometimes – it's hard to get to this sidebar here that there's so much sports going on, but 
I really enjoyed this hour, and I think a lot of people, if you'll give this a listen, will enjoy this hour. Um, just just be honest it, with them. Tell, them. tell them the truth. I can't stay up late enough to uh, be able to watch AEW all the way through. I have to go to bed too early, so uh, that's why we don't do it on Wednesday nights after after the show. Uh, we were going to do a live reaction, and we decided we were both too old to stay up that long. So <laughs> uh, I loved it. Uh, it's something we plan on doing again. We won't do it for every pay-per-view, uh, like WrestleManias, the, the big stuff. It definitely will be part of our uh, future. Uh, let us know. Let us know. You're great. Y'all have been great to me. Uh, some 40,000 of you have come by in the last forty day, or 28 days. Let us know what you want to hear. Uh, how we, we plan on going to some live wrestling, AEW, over the next little bit. Maybe we can do a show from outside of an AEW event or something. We'll come up with something for sure. The official dog of the RC off the record with Randall. He's, he's not the mascot, but he's pretty close to it. It works. But, it works. Yeah, yeah, we're we're going to go back. You know, like I said, we, me and you went to the wrestling AEW in Huntsville when they came back. Uh, what was a a year ago, year and a half ago? Uh, I went to the one in Huntsville, saw Cody jump off the cage. You know, um, and uh, you know, we're going to go back to more. We may do some, like you said, may do some live feeds from one, maybe before it starts or something like that. Uh, but you know, this this won't be the. It is the first time, but it won't be the last time that you see us on here talking about wrestling. Well, about 45 minutes from now, you're going to hear me talk about the All-NBA team, the conference winners, uh, a lot of stuff on 3R Sports. So uh, Tuesday nights, you get sick of seeing Randall. So uh, I'll be back in about 45 minutes. Howie, you got any closing words? Don't forget about uh, next Tuesday night. We'll be on here talking to uh, – uh, a pretty decent high school football coach in the state of Alabama with, uh, if everything goes well, we'll be talking with uh, Coach Paul Benefield. Yeah. Uh, and go ahead and get the word out. For, may have another special guest join us. Right. That's going to so, be a yeah. special night. Yeah, I know that's something that you've been looking forward to, you know, you've been wanting to do for quite a while, and uh, we finally made it happen, or you made it happen. We finally got in contact with him and talked to him, and uh, it would have been tonight, but he, uh, you know, I guess after he's won three state championships in a row, he decided to take a little vacation. So he's on vacation this week. But uh, he he has told us the next Tuesday night he'll be here with us. So, um, you know, hopefully he will. Yeah, well, looking forward to talking to Coach. You know, it's kind of strange, Howie, and I'll I'll say this and wrap up. Uh, I started with Coach. You were still in (laughs) high school at Sylvania High School. Um, Some of my first games I called – was with Coach um, at Sylvania, some painful losses in the playoffs. And I left the area for many, many years and kind of come back into contact with Coach and yourself and Bill Harris from WQSB. Coach, when I left, was – I don't want to say this to him because it would embarrass him. He is the one guy that I became a fan of. And Howie, when I say I was a fan of him, Every Saturday morning, I got up, and even when I was broadcasting other schools, the first thing I looked online was to see what Fife had done. Uh, so, Coach is—I'm a huge fan of Coach Benefield, and I look forward to talking to him. And the one thing that I can say about Coach Benefield—we we went through, and I think he would admit it too. 
one of the most painful losses that I've experienced as an announcer. And after the game, I went down on the field and I thought I was going to get waved back to the uh, broadcast booth, which most coaches would. Coach Benefield took all the time, all the effort, talked to me forever. You know, that shows you something special about this Coach Benefield. And, I mean, it wasn't a light game. I think this was a state semifinal. Or a, yeah, if it's one I'm thinking about, it's against yeah, Colbert County. Yeah, yeah Colbert so, County, and it was a quarterfinal game. Yes. Uh, but that is a game that, that hurt me for a long time, and I'm sure it did, Coach. Maybe we'll get to talk about it. And uh, uh, so um, more more than likely will because he talked to me about it, uh, you know, several times. You know, if he, you know, he always says, "Well, if I'd done this or if I'd done that different," you know, it's just, you know, he'll he'll be one probably one of the first ones to admit, "Hey, I remember the losses more than I do the wins." So uh, you think of that game, Coach uh, Benefield going on to be pretty good. Phil Harris has gone on to be the voice of WQSB. And I've went on to become ugly, fat, and a big beard on a podcast. And I'm right beside you. Yeah. So two of them's done pretty good. Join me in about 45 minutes with Raj Mehta and Robbie Davis for 3R Sports. And Howie, thank you, man. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. I enjoyed it. All right. Appreciate it, everybody. See you down the road.